Let me have a word of prayer and we'll get going. Lord, we do thank you that we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I know a lot of, a lot of us struggle with believing that. Uh, our lives at times feel very incomplete and look very incomplete. But Lord, it's you tell us that we are complete. That we have been made full in Christ. And Lord, we pray that we would grow in our relationship to you to the point that we take you at your word. And then Lord, that we just allow your Holy Spirit to teach us how to appropriate just the many uh, uh, realities that are ours in Christ. Lord, we know that you are tirelessly working to conform us to the image of your dear Son. And that will come about as more and more we appropriate his life as ours. Lord, we thank you that we have your spirit to guide our time together this morning. Lord, we know that he has each of us at different places in our spiritual development. But Lord, I pray that he would uh, just enable us to take on board, each of us, the truths that we are prepared to learn at this stage in our lives. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, we're continuing on in chapter 6 this week. We barely got into it uh, last week. I did spend a bit of time uh, reviewing, uh, given the fact that we had a fairly extensive break uh, at the end of the year, uh, between Christmas and New Year's and and things, and so to kind of get our minds back where we uh, need to be. I, I spent a bit of time reviewing, but we did get into this uh, sixth uh, chapter, and that's where I want to pick up this morning. Now, again, I remind you, uh, we go back to chapter one, the one on faith, and I'm not going to review everything, but faith is so important. The Christian life from beginning to end is based on walking by faith, and faith is taking God at his word, is putting our confidence in what he said, not in what we are able to perhaps verify with our own uh, five senses, but we're going to take God at his word and uh, move out, uh, putting our confidence in his statements. And what we're dealing with in chapter 6 is one of those things that we are challenged to take by faith. The fact that we are complete in Christ. That everything we need for life today, everything we will ever need for eternity is already ours. It's all part of God's provision for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, according to Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. We've been given everything necessary for godliness, uh, for life and godliness, according to Peter uh, in his epistle uh, to the believers in the regions of Galatia. 
we have even been made partakers of the divine nature in that God has shared his very spirit with us. We have everything necessary. It's all ours in Christ. And, uh, you know, the Christian life, as we move forward, is not us gaining anything we didn't already have. It's learning what we have and learning to appropriate it. I used the example last week, you know, you could be struggling financially and a wealthy relative could leave you a vast fortune which would not change your life one iota if nobody ever told you that you didn't know that it had been left to you. Or if they told you and you didn't want to believe it, it wouldn't change anything. It would only change things, you know, if you were, if were made aware of it, you believed it, and you began to search it out and appropriate it. And so it is with our provision in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'll run over a few of these slides in the early part of the chapter and get us up to where we're at today. You know, one of the statements he said, he says, Our Lord Jesus so often uses natural facts to teach us the deepest spiritual truths. And he first teaches us about our natural Adamic life, this old man, what it is like. This is a big part of our, uh, biblic uh, uh, our child training is God making us aware of what we are like in Adam. Because until we understand really what we have inherited from Adam, it's hard for us to take on board really what we have been given in Christ. So uh, a lot of your early Christian life is, it involves him showing you that Adamic nature and the struggles and things that go along with it. And he said, you know, here, this involves the vital source principle after his kind. And so every one of us had to first learn that we were born in this world completely in Adam. We sprang from him. We were like him. Like it or not, we were very much like Adam. We had his nature. We had his, his tendencies. We were like him. Stanford points out that when through our failures and struggles, he, that is God, has taught us about this, the natural, then we'll be in a position where he can begin to teach us about who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is, I think, about where we pick up with where we were last week. He says, there are two main aspects to this source principle. This Christ being the source of our Christian life. First, he says, the Lord Jesus is the source of our Christian life. That's very, very, very important to get in our minds. The Christian life flows from Christ. It comes from Him. 
The Christian life is not about my old Adamic nature being changed. It's not about it being fixed. It's not about God repairing what I inherited from Adam. It's about God giving me a new life source in Christ. That's why, you know, I've pointed out before, one of my pet peeves with a lot of the newer translations is they talk about the old, old self and the new self. We don't have a new self. Our self, it always takes us back to this. The old Adamic nature. My new man, my new life is not a self. It is something that is completely in union with Christ. You know, over Thanksgiving, I was talking with my nephew who's going to DTS, working on his doctorate there. And, you know, I brought this up with him and he agreed. He said... I don't see how they can translate it new self because he said the new man is the very life of Christ. It's not a self. It's not independent from him. It can't function independently from him. Very poor term, uh, choice of terms and yet almost every new translation goes in that direction. And it leaves us with this idea that our self has somehow changed. It hasn't. My life source has changed. And as I learn to live in union with Christ, it changes everything. He says, you know, there are two main aspects to the source principle. First, the Lord Jesus is the source of Christian life. We were born into Him. God has made us complete in Him. It's in Christ we're complete. Apart from Him, we're as incomplete as we ever were. He says, this truth we are to hold by faith. It is true of each of us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new create a new creature. This is a truth that you and I have got to take hold of by faith. Just as much so as the fact that Christ died for our sins. You know, we take by faith that when God says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved... We believe him. And he tells us, look, in Christ you're complete. We are to believe him. You know, we've all heard and often quoted the verse, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, our new creature. Do we believe that? Or do you believe we're still that old creature who's just, you know, maybe being patched up a bit? Do we really believe that we are new creations? Then he says, secondly, as we hold to this fact by faith, we are brought into the practical reality of it day by day in our experience. 
He says, little by little we receive what is already ours. See, our development in the Christian life isn't us gaining anything that we don't already have or need. It's little by little us taking possession of what is ours. It's a gradual thing. He says, the important thing to know and be sure of is that all is ours and we are complete in him now. We've got to believe that. That you are complete right now. Everything you'll need for time and eternity is yours right now. It's all yours in Christ. And see, he says, you know, if we believe that, this fact enables us to hold still while he per- patiently works into our, char- uh, our character that life of ours which is hidden with, uh, uh, with, uh, with Christ in God. See, once we know it's all ours, we can be patient. We can know, look, one day we are going to take full possession of it. It's ours. I don't have to worry about whether God's going to give it to me or not. It's mine in Christ right now. And I can trust that Little by little, as God matures me, I will take possession of that which is mine. I can be patient. Again, it's like somebody being left a a large amount of money or something in a trust, knowing that they will take possession of it ultimately. And being patient. As, you know, they move along towards the day when it does. Yeah. I was just thinking about when this began to land in my own heart and mind. That, that whole thing of the security, the security that begins to wash over you as you realize that it's all there. And the thing that it begins to give us a hunger to know what what that means. Yeah. And so, brought me to the Word, and you remember guys back in the earlier chapter where he says, come to the Word what for? To meet And um, that changed everything for me too, because I thought, Lord, if I'm completing you, okay, I'm coming here to meet you, to get to know you, and I'm going to trust you, at whatever pace you're going to do this, and I'm not trying to sound old, whatever, but I'm not the most brilliant person in this room. I'm not real studious, I'm saying. I'm not real intellectual. And so, to come to the Bible and begin to get to know the Lord, any of us can do that. And it's by His Spirit anyway. It was by His Spirit that He's taught me these things. Yeah. I mean, it's handy having a husband for a teacher. Mm. But, <laughs> but really, mm-hmm. it has been the most, and a father-in-law mm-hmm. that taught me so much. 
Yeah. But anyway, it has just been the most blessed thing to me to see this. Yeah. That it's God's work in His time. And I don't even go to the Word, but Lord, I, I'm kind of down today, so make me feel better. You know, we can do that, especially us ladies. You know, and I, I just came to where, Lord, I just want to know you. No. And I'll trust you to do this the way you're going to do it. Teach me, enable me to keep going towards your spirit, listening to him, looking into your word, and hunger after your truth. You know, if we don't know and believe that we have everything in Christ, then so much of our prayer is, Lord, I need this, I need that. And I'm not talking about physical needs, I'm talking about spiritual things. You know, I need victory, Lord, over this in my life. You know, I, I need your provision for this, I need your provision for that. And frustration with him that... Lord, you aren't giving it to me. You aren't providing what I'm asking for. And I think God at times is sitting there thinking, I've given it all to you. Why don't you learn what you have? Why don't you learn to take hold of the provisions I've given you? You know, so many are frustrating, frustrated with God. They say, you know, he won't give me victory over this. Well, first of all, you're wanting the victory over here in your old Adamic nature and he ain't going to give it to you. And you have, you share in Christ's victory. And he wants you to learn to live in the realm of Christ's victory. So he's not going to give you your own personal fleshly victory. He's going to keep saying, look, part of your completeness in Christ is the victory that you need in every area of life. It's there. Lord, give me more strength. And we're wanting the old man to be strengthened and God, God makes him weaker and weaker. Because he says, all the strength you'll ever need is in Christ. The very power that made the resurrection possible is yours in Christ. Learn to use it. See, he says, progress is only advancing in the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge of what we really possess at the outset. Any progress in your Christian life is going to be you advancing in your knowledge and understanding of what has been yours from the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was all given to you then. And so your progress is going to be you becoming more and more aware of these things. He says it's like ascending a ladder. The ladder is grace. And again, if this is all by God's grace. There's no merit whatsoever involved. It's all by his grace. 
And the latter is grace. The first step is we believe that the Lord Jesus was sent from God. We take God at his word that Jesus was God's gift, his provision. Second, you know, we believe that uh, in the fullness of his work, we are justified. We take God at his word that he has declared us righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm not righteous, but I have a righteous standing in God's eyes. Why? Because I believe him when he says that. Third, we make his acquaintance. He says the third step is we really start to get to know Christ. We don't just know about him. We don't just know that he came and, uh, uh, as a God's gift and that he suffered and died for our stead and, uh, and provided for our justification. We actually start to get to know Christ. Fourth, we come to see him in heaven. <laughs> our understanding of him goes beyond looking at him here on earth and, and as he lived here as a man. We start really seeing him in his heavenly role as our great high priest, as our advocate. Then it says we know our association with him there. And his power here. We begin to realize that we are united with this one who sits at, at God's right hand. We are united with him. And we begin to understand the power that that provides for us as we deal with life here on earth. Fifth, we learn the mystery the great things we are entitled to because of being his body. He says, we finally begin to see all those things that are ours because of our union with Christ. Sixth, that we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. We hold a position in heaven today with Christ. And seventh, we're lost in wonder and praise in the knowledge of himself. We become just overcome with what it means to know Christ. Now, he says, since we are complete in our Lord Jesus, it will not do to try to add to that finished work. You and I cannot add to the work Christ has done. It's finished. It's complete. Everything you need is in Christ. It's now a matter, he says, of walking by faith and receiving and appropriating from the ever-abundant source within. Christian life is walking by faith, believing God, learning to take hold of that which is, is ours. Now, when we get into the next chapter, it will be on appropriation. And we'll be looking at what all is involved in appropriating. But before we can focus on appropriation, we have to understand and believe 
that we are complete in Christ. Goes on, he says, Walter Marshall is concise here. Christ's resurrection was our resurrection to life and holiness. As Adam's fall was our fall into spiritual death. Again, we're identified with Adam's fall. We weren't in the Garden of Eden. We weren't the one who ate of the forbidden fruit. But as one who is a descendant of Adam, we share in his fall. And as one who has now been born into God's family, of which Christ is the federal head, we share in his resurrection life. A life of holiness, a life that is set apart. And he says, and we are not ourselves the first makers and formers of our new holy nature any more than our original corruption, but both are formed ready for us to partake of them. He says, you know, we're, we're no, no more the producer of kind of our, our present standing in God's eyes and the provision than we were our fall, his, uh, Adam's fall. We partake of the one that we are united with. And by union with Christ, we partake of that spiritual life that he took possession of for us at the resurrection and thereby are enabled to bring forth the fruits of it as the scripture showeth by the similitude of the marriage union. Romans 7, 4. Married to another, even he who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, it's our union with Christ that brings us into the realm of spiritual life. It's our union with Christ that puts us in a fruit-bearing position. And this again is important part, uh, statement. Our part is not production, but reception of our life in Christ. It's not up to me, it's not up to you to produce the Christian life. And yet, a whole lot of Christians out there are trying to produce it. They're reading in scripture, uh, uh, the scriptural description of what the new man has the potential to look like. And they say, I'm going to make my life look like that. You can't produce the Christian life. I've said it here before and I'll say it again. The Christian life is not a difficult life. It is an impossible life for you or me to live apart from Christ. It is the very life of Christ which is meant to show itself in and through us. He says, you know, how does this come about? This entails Bible-based, fact-finding, explicit faith in him and his purpose for us in Christ. 
and patient trust while he takes us through the necessary processing involved. We've got to spend time really looking at his word with faith. Faith in him, faith in his purpose for us, the purpose of conforming us to the image of Christ. And just trust him. That he's going to take us through whatever it is necessary to move us along. That, and that's going to involve a lot of failures along the way. Failures that show us that once again we've stepped over here into the old Adamic life. Failures that keep pushing us back towards Christ. He says, no believer ever fell into maturity, even though he's complete in Christ. Spiritual growth necessitates heart hunger for the Lord Jesus. Determination based on assurance to have that which is ours in him, plus meditation and thought. He says, you aren't going to fall into maturity. You have to be determined to learn what's yours. You've got to be determined to appropriate it. You've got to uh, move forward with the assurance that it is yours and that one day you will take possession of it. He says, We will never come into a knowledge of our spiritual possessions through a superficial understanding of the word. You can't just have a, a surface knowledge of the scriptures and really come to understand who you are and what you have in Christ. And I will tell you, I mean, all of scripture is written for our learning. But it's the New Testament epistles that will show you who you are and what you have in Christ. You will not learn it in the Psalms. You won't learn it in the Proverbs. You won't learn it, uh, you know, in the uh, Old Testament prophets. You'll learn things about God that are important. And you'll learn things about man that's important. But you will not learn about who you are and what you have in Christ in the Old Testament. You will... You will not learn really who you are and what you have in Christ even in most of the Gospels. You will from some of what's written in John. Bread of Life, uh, Upper Room Discourse, uh, some of those uh, really shed light on, uh, on the Christian life. But the bulk of your understanding of who you are and what you have in Christ is going to come in studying from Romans up through Jude, through the epistles, and particularly the, the Pauline epistles, but Peter gets into it too, and, and uh, James. So, but I'm just saying, if you really want to begin to understand who you are and what you have in Christ, you've got to get into these, these epistles. You've got to study them. You've got to learn. Now he says, the following truth may be a good opportunity to ex exercise and develop some of that meditation and thought. 
What is needed is a mediation in which God concentrates his own peculiar spirit and life as a principle in a human individual to be personally appropriated. In a revelation which is really to translate the divine into man's individual personal life, in truth to form men of God. The divine as such, that is, as a personal life, must first be embodied in a personal center in humanity. For this reason, as soon as something strictly new is concerned, something that is in its peculiarity has never yet existed, every new type of life, before it can uh, can multiply itself to a number of specimens, must first have its full contents combined in perfect unity in an adequate new principle. And so, for the making personal of the divine among men, the first thing that is needed is one in whom the principle of divine life has become personal. Christianity concentrates the whole fullness of revelation in one human personality of Jesus Christ as mediator. That is, as a mediating central principle of the new divine organism in its fullness of spirit and life. In and for the human personal life, with the entrance of Christ into the human individual, the divine life becomes imminent in us, not in the universal world relationship, but as a personal principle, so that man is not only a being made of God, but a being begotten of God. And with the growth, growing transformation of the individual into the life type of Christ, there is perfected uh, the development of the personal life out of God, in God, and to God. The development not only of moral or theocratic communion, but a communion of nature. Now that's all pretty self-explanatory, so So we'll just move forward. (laughs) I'll take the approach that most commentators take. If you're reading through a commentary and it's a difficult passage, it's amazing how they just skip over it. Uh, It's suddenly not there. Uh, They just move on. Well, I will try to go back and reword some of what he he said. If there's one quote quote in the entire book I kind of wish had not been put there, it's this one. It's not because it doesn't have some really good truth in it. It's that most people get glassy-eyed uh, when they're when they're looking at it. Uh, so let me throw a, a few a few slides up here. So bogged down with these two chapters, I was waiting on today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. two paragraphs. Yeah, yeah. Two paragraphs, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me. Uh, I've kind of reworded some things, and I'll I'll th- uh, I'll go through it here, and hopefully it'll clarify things, maybe a little. He starts out basically. He says, "What we need is someone to stand as a go-between uh, us and God. We need a mediator, someone between us and and God, <clears throat> and that mediator, that go-between." <clears throat> Sorry, needs to be a human individual into which God has placed his own spirit and life to be personally appropriated, to to be personally taken hold of. He says, what we need is a revelation of God, God revealing himself to us, which has the intended purpose of conveying or transferring 
His divine nature into our individual life. We need, you know, someone to, as a revelation of God, that's going to make it possible for God's divine life to be transferred to us in order that to form men of God. And so, in order for God to achieve this, that revelation of God must first be embodied in a central figure of humanity. It needed to first be packaged in a man. Someone who was central to humanity. And he says the accomplishment of this involves something new. I mean, nothing like this had ever been done before. Which can only be multiplied... Too many after it first had its contents embodied as a principle in one. In whom the divine life has become personal. He said it couldn't be spread to many. It couldn't be, you know, multiplied until it was first packaged in one. One in which, one man in which the divine life has, is totally personal. And so Christianity is built upon the principle that the fullness of God's revelation, the complete revealing of God, is concentrated in the person of Jesus Christ, who serves as that go-between, who serves as that revelation. And that role of Christ, that mediatory role, is central to the believer's divine new creation life. It's only as God, as Christ serves as the go-between between us and God. He is the one that provides the life. He is the one that makes the provisions. He says, it provides the fullness of God's spirit and life. And uh, in and for our personal lives. So, you know, when Christ entered us by means of the, the Holy Spirit, He says the divine life became imminent in us. It, it's eventually, we know it's eventually going to be seen. First John tells us that when Christ returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when Christ entered us through the Spirit, the divine life became imminent in us as a personal operating principle. So that we are not only being made by God, but actually begotten of him. You see the difference. It's not just that God is making us. He is begetting us. And we are flowing forth from him. It's not just that he shaped us independently. We have Our life flows forth from him. There is a transformation taking place as we are being developed into the Christ life. And he says that that development of our personal lives is out of God, in God, and to God. A personal life, they flow out of God. They are united in God. And our lives are lived to God. And he says it involves a communion with God 
which is not simply on a moral or theocratic God-ruled level, but a communion by very nature. We can commune with God on the level of our very nature with Him in Christ. Yeah. Rick, it seems to me that for someone simple like myself, for sure, this is summarized in Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 and 3, where he contrasts the natural man yeah. with the new or spiritual man. And it's all summarized in this one statement, the last verse of chapter 2. We have the mind of Christ. Christ. That's that integration. Yeah, yeah. And Paul probably did a better job of saying it than <clears throat> the, uh, J.T. Beck here. Uh, like I say, everybody who ever reads that gets lost in it. Uh, and I don't know that I cleared it up much, but I tried. Uh, he's got some good truth in there. And it's definitely worth thinking about. And that's why he says, here's something to meditate on. You know, take and, and really think about uh, all of this. Uh, but if you have trouble understanding it, it's hard to think about it. So uh, <clears throat> he goes on, he says, a seed embodies the full reproduction of the life from which it came. That, <clears throat> that much is complete and can never be added to. Uh, you know, you, you take a, a, a grain of corn and, you know, in it, is the full capacity to re reproduce from that which it, from which it came. It, you know, it's gonna. It has. Uh, it doesn't need anything else added to it. It's all there. And he talks about in First Peter one twenty three, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible. And then he quotes from Leviticus 19.19, 19, Thou shalt not sow a field with mingled seed. And you say, well, what does that have to do with... Well, <clears throat> our Christian life can't be a blend of the old and the new. You didn't mix seeds. We, our Christian life is not a blend of the old and the new. The, the Christian life is based on the new. Who we are in Christ. Paul says, it is not I but Christ. The seed has been implanted. Now the entire question is one of growth and maturity. <clears throat> this alone will bring forth fruit that abides. He says, the development of the divine life in the Christian is like the natural growth in the vegetable world. We do not need to make any special effort, only place ourselves under... Favor, uh, conditions favorable for such growth. You know, that, that vegetable plant's not sitting there thinking, I gotta grow, I gotta grow, I gotta grow. <laughs> if it's put in fertile soil and it's watered, it will grow. And if we're put in a place uh, where the conditions are right, we will grow. But he says, only those who have sought to grow by effort and failed are in the position to appreciate 
uh, the fact that God is the aggressor in the realm of development. God's the one pursuing us. It's not our efforts that will move us forward. All the powers of deity which have already brought together in the accomplishment of the first part of the eternal purpose, the revealing of God's perfect likeness in the man Christ Jesus, are equally engaged in, to accomplish the second part. And the work that, uh, and work that likeness in each of God's children. William Law agrees, a root set in the finest soil, in the best climate, and blessed with all the sun and air and rain can do for it, is not so sure a way of growth to perfection as every man may be whose spirit aspires, aspires after all that God is ready and infinitely desirous to give him. For the sun meets not the springing bud that stretches toward him with half the certainty as God, the source of all good, communicates himself to the, so to the soul that longs to partake of him. He says a plant put in the best soil isn't as sure a growth as we are, as we long after him. I'm going to try to get finished here because I don't want to leave just this little bit hanging. Uh, um, he says, not only is our life complete in him, but likewise the essential victory for all the exigencies of life, all the urgencies and things that come along. And I like this next quote. He says, when you fight to get victory then you've lost the battle from the very onset. Suppose the enemy assaults you in your home or in your business. He creates a situation with which you cannot possibly deal. What do you do? Your first instinct is to prepare yourself for a big battle and then pray to God to give you the victory in it. But if you do so, defeat is sure. For you have given up the ground that is yours in Christ. You've basically said, I don't believe that Christ's victory <laughs> includes this. By the attitude you have taken, you have relinquished it to the enemy. What should you do when he attacks? You should simply look up and praise the Lord. Lord, I am faced with a situation I cannot possibly meet. Thine enemy, the devil, has brought it about to compass my downfall. But I praise thee that thy victory is an all-inclusive victory. It covers this situation too. I praise thee that I already have full victory in this matter. By faith standing in Christ's victory. He says, don't rush, he won't. A Japanese artist, Hokusai, said, From the age of six, I had a mania for drawing the forms of things. By the time I was 50, I had pu published an infinity of designs. But nothing I produced before 70 is worth considering. He died at 89, declaring if he could have another five years, he would become a great artist. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Times involved. Again, chapter two. But we cling to the fact that we're complete in Christ. And rather than pleading with God to give us what we're lacking, we 
Our prayer is, Lord, grow me in my understanding of who I am. Grow me in my understanding of what I have. Teach me to appropriate uh, that which has been mine since day one. Okay, we're out of time. Well, pa- yeah. Could I, could I give an invitation to you seniors for our meeting Tuesday? Because we're going to continue this very thought of what it means to have the mind of Christ, which is the only way we ever see the things of God. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you for our completeness in Christ. Lord, that we cannot add anything to what you have already provided. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be diligent in searching out your uh, word, that we would meditate on it, and Lord, that little by little, we would take practical possession of that which is already ours. Lord, we want the life of Christ to be manifest in and through us so that others are drawn to him. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.